This is a VOLFM special broadcast. The COVID Report Show, Monday to Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Exclusive to VOLFM 88.1. Share it. the first bit of business out of the way for today's edition of the COVID Report Show on Valentine 88.1. Thank you so much for joining us, by the way. I think a very good place to start uh, would be for me to take a moment to consider the various ways in which the impact of the outbreak has has, um, unfolded on the social media landscape. I fondly recall the early parts of the year where these reports started to first surface and everyone made jokes about it. Everyone made the memes. And slowly as, 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 as time went on, I mean, I, I, say, I say this not being the biggest fan of social media, period. So I think I have a special disposition towards it. But it was, it was, it was, very, very, it was very, very intriguing to witness how the conversation on social media shifted and, and how less and less funny it became. Um, I don't know if you're with me or not on that one, Ponzo, but I, I certainly no, found definitely. that uh, very, 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 very intriguing. Yes, no, definitely. I mean, there were a lot of memes uh, at the beginning, at the end of February and the beginning of March before we re- started reporting our first cases. We saw a mm. lot of jokes, you know. But with the jokes, you know, comes a very very other elements that could be very dangerous, which is mm. misinformation and disinformation, or as we colloquially call it, fake news, you know. And yeah. particularly in South Africa, fake news continues to mislead and misinform many South Africans when it comes to COVID-19. And these many myths are, that are going around, around COVID-19 and the coronavirus, um, uh, uh, like they range from vaccines, cures, and um, weird ways on how to prevent it. But you know, we're not the experts in this and we have Africa Check's Kaylee Clifford, who's a researcher at Africa Check, and she will be busting a few myths with us today. Welcome to the COVID Report, Kaylee. I am sure you guys are so busy at the moment. Like, I can't imagine what a day looks like with you trying (sighs) to bust myths every single day. Absolutely. I think with the coronavirus, it's such a rapidly developing situation and the numbers are changing all the time. We're finding out more and more about the virus every day. And there's this wealth of information available online and this can make it quite difficult for people to differentiate between what's true or not. And in fact, um, the World Health Organization's described this as an infodemic. And that's certainly been the the experience of Africa Check over the last few weeks. What do you mean by infodemic? Right. So um, what the World Health Organization is saying, that we we have this pandemic that's spreading across the world, but at the same time, we're having um, an infodemic that's spreading, which is really an overwhelming amount of information, some of it true, some of it not. And how do people then um, differentiate between it? Um, And that's been quite difficult for us as well. We've been overwhelmed with messages and social media posts, um, people asking about 
we, you know, whether certain cures work, what can they do to prevent themselves from contracting the virus? Um, we've seen a lot of conspiracy theories as well, and all of that has kept us very, very busy. From my end, hearing you um, expound on that, how do you go about, um, or, or, or rather, what goes into having to sift through this, this sea of information coming your way and trying to pick out the trolls from the, the genuine or, or the people who, genu- who, who put this information out there out of their own uh, genuine uh, uh, state of knowledge on, on, on the matter mm. or their own general knowledge or, or what they know to be true. So what goes into making that, distinct, that distinction between the trolls and those who possibly are just operating from a place of not being informed enough. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a, a five-step fact-checking process that we try to follow with all the, the fact-checks that we do. Obviously, with a, a global pandemic, it's a little bit different. Um, it needs to happen much faster, and we need to, to get the information out to a much larger audience. And it's been quite challenging, you know, with the lockdown and all of us working from home. Um, but I think we're also quite fortunate that most of our work is desktop based. So it hasn't impacted too much on, on what we're able to do. And, you know, we were just chatting generally the other day about how what's interesting for us is that there seems to be a, a greater understanding now, perhaps more so than ever, of the importance of having access to accurate information at this time and that the demand is unlike anything we've seen. And that's, that's really been great. Let's start with the first myth, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's been a post that has been shared very widely um, on Facebook here in South Africa that claims that ibuprofen um, makes coronavirus multiply faster. You know, in this uh, post, you know, people are saying that taking um Medication such as, you know, a lot of medication that has ibuprofen is like Nurofen, Mipradol, GenPain, which are general painkiller brands that most people take for headache, period pains, or what, whatever kind of pain they may be in. Is it true that ibuprofen makes uh, the new coronavirus multiply faster? So there's been quite a lot of talk about ibuprofen and its relationship with coronavirus. And I think, as you say, the concern here is that it's such a common painkiller. I mean, if you you have a headache or a toothache, you're likely to take some medication with ibuprofen in it. And now we're seeing this post circulating on Facebook saying that it, it could make the coronavirus multiply faster. And this supposedly comes from doctors at the University of Vienna. Um, But when we looked into it, actually both the Medical University of Vienna and the University of Vienna have dismissed the claim. And you can see from their statements, they expressly point out that this is false news. There have been no such studies taking place at either of the universities. Um, But I think what's also important to highlight here is the World Health Organization. They've also come out to say that there's just not enough evidence against the use of ibuprofen and they're not asking people not to take it. And that's really important because there may be a lot of people that are actually using ibuprofen in medicines for chronic diseases. And they yes. need to know that they, they don't need to stop taking it for fear of you know, multiplying the coronavirus. Especially if we're talking about people who have other kind of chronic diseases who are already susceptible to or more susceptible to COVID-19 than uh, most people. This could be detrimental if we do not kind of like spread the actual truth, which is that 
both the university, the reputable uh, University of Vienna and the reputable WHO have said this is not true and they cannot confirm this. Absolutely. And, you know, this is an example of sometimes how people will take advice about a preventative measure that can actually end up being more dangerous than the, the virus itself. And you're trying to prevent something, but it's actually, there's no evidence to support it. There is no truth to it. You heard it here first, listeners. You can take your ibuprofen medication. It will not multiply the coronavirus in your body or make you have um, worsen the symptoms of coronavirus. Myth number two, Kaylee, can lemon and baking soda cure the new virus? Um, so this is one of many pieces of false advice around cures and preventative measures. In the last two weeks alone, we must have published dozens of fact checks on certain home remedies and whether or not they can cure COVID-19 or prevent you from contracting it. Hmm. This particular message is circulating on WhatsApp in Nigeria and it claims that lemon and baking soda can cure COVID-19. So you're meant to mix the two together and drink it as a kind of a hot tea. What we did here was we actually approached the World Health Organization. We spoke to a spokesperson who said there's no scientific evidence to support this claim. And um, we also took it a step further and spoke to a professor of public health in Nigeria. They said the same thing. There is just no evidence. That's, again, a really important point to highlight is that you want all of your health advice to come from professionals. So from an an expert at the World Health Organization or your doctor, not a post that you see on, on social media. Definitely. I mean, the one about hot tea and beverages is one that at the beginning of the outbreak in South Africa, my mother, you know, she called me and she's like, is it true if I drink hot water and lemon that I won't get, I will kill the virus if it's in my body. And, you know, I had to be like, no, mom, it's not true. So we already see kind of like the spread of these, um, like you said, um, a lot of cures or like uh, home remedies that supposedly cure the virus in some way or the other. And I just, while we're here, what advice can you give us um, when uh, our parents, our friends share something that we're not sure if it's uh, from a reputable source or not, or something that we see directly that this is definitely fake news? What do we do with that? Yeah, I mean, it's challenging, right? Because it's it's a message coming from your mom or your friend or a colleague, and you don't necessarily want to, you know, crap them out for sharing something false, because a lot of the time, the people who are sharing this information, they're just trying to be helpful. You know, it's a, it's a global pandemic, and we are all a little bit concerned. We're trying to find out as much as we can about the virus and, and share that information with other people. But I think it's important to understand that even sharing something in good faith can have dangerous consequences. Um, So when you're looking at a piece of information that you've seen, want to share it, the first thing you need to do is actually just pause. Take a moment before you share anything and really think about how the information makes you feel. Does it spark any kind of feelings of anger? Is it making you scared? Is it making you panicked? Because often, this information is designed to do exactly that. And, and you're quite correct. A lot of the time it's, it's, it makes you want to panic or uh, do something irrational in the moments in which uh, you receive the misinformation. It's, not, it's, never, uh, it's never really something that 
triggers like you don't read it and you're like hmm this is very helpful it always sounds just a bit like it it it, it induces extreme emotions from from um from people or oh, i've seen with me it does that to me and i think particularly when it happens on whatsapp which is an intimate platform it's not like with facebook or mm. um Facebook or with uh, Twitter. WhatsApp is a very intimate uh, platform where you talk to people you like and you trust. And so, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what's crap on WhatsApp and how uh, Africa Check is using WhatsApp to also uh, di- like disseminate the truth or to, to bust some of the myths that are happening, not just around COVID-19, but all of the myths that we see going around in chain messages and, and, and those sort of, sort of things. Yeah, so I mean, as you've said, I think WhatsApp for us has been always quite a difficult platform to penetrate purely because it's such a private form of communication. Um, So, you know, it's end-to-end encrypted, which means that unless somebody sends us a screenshot of a message that they've received or they forward us a message, we actually don't know what kind of misinformation is spreading on WhatsApp. And then the other thing is that because it's such a private form of communication and you know, you're chatting to people that you trust and that you have a personal relationship with, there's almost this tendency to kind of take what we see on WhatsApp as being true. So it's very different to the fact checking that we do on more traditional social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter. And we've had yeah. to be quite creative in terms of how we address you know, that specific problem. And what we've come up with is um, a voice note show. It's called What's Crap on WhatsApp. And essentially what it is, is it's a WhatsApp line. And we are asking people to send us messages that they get sent on WhatsApp that they feel are, you know, a bit suspicious. You can forward that to us. We have um, people that sit with all of those messages and log them throughout the month. And we try to pick three or four things that we see cropping up all the time and we debunk them in a voice note show. And it's just for WhatsApp. So we will every two weeks send out this voice note show on WhatsApp. And what I think is really great about it is that, you know, it's a very different format. It's not everyone has time to maybe sit through a a five minute long fact check that we put on our website. Um, But, you know, you can listen to this while you're driving home or, you know, making supper it's really short, so we tried to keep it between four to six minutes, um, which means that it's also really small in size. It's only about seven to eight megabytes. And what's great about that is then you can forward it on to other contacts, particularly the person who sent you the piece of crap in the first place. <laughs> Interesting. That's, that, that, that's a very, very nifty uh, use of technology there, certainly, if I, if I, if I do say so myself. And I think, I think it's, it's, very, it's very curious how a lot of a lot of what shapes public discourse um, in this day and age is is mainly I'd, I'd say I'd say in a combination of factors. I think it would be there's an argument that it's it's more substantially determined by the rapid rate at which a certain piece of information spreads and how many people that piece of information spreads to to such a degree that it goes. It, it, it goes viral in a sense mm-hmm. and it's going viral somehow. I'm, and I'm not even sure how myself, but somehow it, that piece of information going viral lends itself to being true 
So, so, so for instance, when we get to, when we get to the third myth that we're about to bust, um, which concerns a viral message saying that taking a hot bath or breathing in steam can prevent COVID-19, which has been mm. verifiably proven to be false. So, 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 when we when we consider when we consider viral messages like that spreading and and what I just and what we just talked about now with the sort of the, the, the a lot of the public discourse being shaped on the validity of a viral message, a viral tweet, a viral mm-hmm. Instagram post, a viral Facebook post. How 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 does that um, how does that terrain get? If it gets it, it, how does it get tricky in that terrain? If it gets tricky at all, um, as far as debunking things like that and and then we and if we, if we go about um debunking this myth itself how would we go about doing so yeah so you've raised a really interesting point and something that we see quite often in the work that we do is that with every piece of misinformation there's almost this small kernel of truth that makes it seem believable so if we take a look at this myth that we're debunking now about the hot bath and the hand dryers being able to you know, prevent or cure COVID-19, we know that um, heat can kill certain germs. But you can see how this almost general knowledge has become misconstrued and has become something else entirely because now we're seeing claims that doctors are recommending taking a hot bath and breathing in the hot steam to um, blow hot air up your nose and that this will prevent you from contracting COVID-19. It's simply not true. I think that, um, you know, unless it's not just that it's not going to help you prevent COVID-19, but it can actually be potentially harmful. And we were saying this earlier, that some of this information actually has the potential to do real harm because, you know, you could end up burning yourself going on advice like this. It, it is, it is. And I think it, it shows, it shows just how, how easy, how easy it is to be caught on the wrong end of of being easily misinformed, especially when it comes to matters as serious as this. And I think it highlights how important it is to, 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 fact, to fact check and to make sure that you um, are able to verify the information that you get. I, I, how you go about doing this, it's entirely up to you, but I do think it is important. And I think I, 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 I think for, 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 for myself personally, I, I remember, I distinctly remember getting uh, mildly irritated in the wake <laughs> of uh, President Sol Ramaphosa's most recent address to the country, um, where he updated us on the measures that they'll be taking to combat the outbreak in the country, and how there was... There, there, there seemed to be a tinge of of implication in the air that that uh, President Sula Maposa was was maybe going to announce the extension of the lockdown, but he didn't say it verbatim. But certain things, what when he said in his speech, seemed to suggest, seemed to lean to the assumption that he is going to extend the lockdown. And I remember getting very, getting visibly irritated at how and how loud this particular social media conversation was getting based mm. on something that hasn't been verified. And I think, and I think that's why I, I found myself getting um, more irritated. And I think, and I think this, it, works the, it works the very same way with the next uh, myth we're about to cover because if, 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 if you, as, as, I, as I say, a, 
a centered human being who like who 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 critically thinks, who critically analyzes, and has in their own way followed the conversation as far as how our good friends over in the land of the free and the home of the brave are dealing <laughs> with this outbreak um, over there in Trumpville. Uh, the myth that we're debunking now, the fourth of the bunch of five, have scientists in the U.S. created a vaccine for the new coronavirus? No, this claim is incorrect. Now, <laughs> first and foremost, I'm flabbergasted at how a myth like that even arises, considering what I've seen and what I've um, heard from verifiable sources com- concerning um, the situation over there in the United States of America. So it, 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 again, I think it, it just it, it it leans itself back to who are who in this mass of people that this information needs to go out to. Who amongst these people is being so easily convinced by mm. the things that they see on a, on a social media post, the things that they see on WhatsApp, the things that they see on the various platforms at their disposal. Look, I think there's obviously a lot of interest in a vaccine or a cure for COVID-19, mm. given how serious it's become. And we've seen variations of this claim over the past few weeks that, you know, vaccines have been developed here or there. And this particular message is, um, it's circulating on WhatsApp and it says that US scientists have developed a vaccine that can cure the coronavirus in three hours. Um, and, and we looked into this, we couldn't find any reports by credible news organizations of any scientists creating a vaccine. And the thing is that you would assume if it were true, it would have been covered quite widely across the world. This Uh, wasn't the case here. Exactly. But um, what's interesting about this claim is that even if there were a vaccine, it it wouldn't be able to cure a patient within three hours. That's not how vaccines work. Um, You know, vaccines are supposed to prevent a person from contracting a disease in the first place. It's not designed to cure them after the fact. Um, so, so that was interesting, but we, we didn't stop there. We also got in touch with the World Health Organization. And they explained to us, you know, the work that they're doing around vaccines at the moment. Um, and I think the first thing to keep in mind is that vaccines often take years to develop. And of course, given the, the seriousness of this COVID-19 outbreak, they're working quite quickly to develop a vaccine and they're working with scientists around the world. And they've received applications for the review and approval of about 20 vaccines so far. And these are all in development stages. There are a number of clinical trials that are taking place. And we can expect the first results from those in in a few weeks. But as we speak, there is no vaccine. There is no cure. There is no treatment for COVID-19. And last but not least, Kaylee, before... Uh, we let you go. After you gave us so much uh, helpful information, the last myth, myth number five. There's been a video that has been shared on WhatsApp that says that boiling orange peels and inhaling the steam can prevent the new coronavirus. Again, we see an element of boiling water. Again, what mm-hmm. you were saying earlier that there's some element of truth that will be there in kind of the myth. Is this correct? Is this is this true or false? Can I boil orange peels and inhale them to prevent myself from getting corona? No, um, this is false. And I think, again, it's important to emphasize steam is not going to kill coronavirus. There's just no evidence to prove it. 
what the World Health Organization is saying and what we've heard from other experts as well is that some home remedies can help soothe the symptoms of COVID-19. Yes. So it might make you feel a little bit better, but it's not going to act as a cure or a vaccine or, or a treatment. So when it comes to receiving advice like this, especially if you're asked to breathe something in or ingest something, you've got to be extremely cautious. If it's not coming from a trusted source, so your doctor, um, the Department of Health, the World Health Organization, then I would just ignore it. Yep. Thank you so much. That was Kaylee Clifford, a researcher at Africa Check. And they are busy, 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 busy with multiple fact checkings that are happening right now during the COVID-19 outbreak in South Africa. More than anything, they have an interesting and nifty um, WhatsApp line that is called WhatsApp, what's, what's crap on WhatsApp. And that number to, to, uh, to sign up to, to their WhatsApp um, information so that you are up to date with all the latest COVID-19 myths and myths busting is 082-709-3527. That's 082-709-3527. You can also go onto the Africa Check website as well as the dedicated What's Crap on WhatsApp, um, What's Crap on WhatsApp page, which is What's, uh, what's Crap dot africa thank you so much again kaylee for busting these myths with us we hope that our listeners are in a better position to know what's what's fact and what's fiction yes thank you so much and that was kaylee clifford from africa check she's a researcher at africa check and they have a dedicated uh, whatsapp line to busting different myths including some of the ones that we busted with her right now on the COVID report and remember the spreading of fake news is something that you can be legally held for. It is a crime according to the Disaster Management Act that we are under right now during the lockdown and during the state of disaster that the president declared a couple of weeks ago. The COVID Report Show. Busting the Myths.